Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the School for Dumb Women. We're back after a bit of a break where we all had several babies and quickly got our bodies back. I'm your host woman, currently pouring my curves into a pair of vintage jeans and an embroidered shirt, Hannah Varrell. With me is flaunter of her new love, Alexandra Haddo. Sorry about all the constant selfies of us I keep sending to you guys, but the world needs to know that I've seen a man naked. And seen for the first time since her high-profile divorce, Caroline O'Donoghue. I took the dog, I took the diamonds, I took the Hoover Hannah because these things are important to me and practical. This week we're learning about condoms, Oscar Wilde and how to break taboos. Plus, we invite wellness expert Dr Jane Frail to the studio to teach us how to breathe properly. On with the show! So, Alex, you've got a balloon on your head to make sure no one gets pregnant, least of all me. What's going on? Yes, we must stop sleeping together. The magnetism between us is too much, though. It's like I live in a red windmill and you're Ewan McGregor. I know, right? (laughs) Ewan McGregor with a big balloon on his head. He keeps using his head to shag people. (laughs) What is he like? Um, Yes, this week I'm talking about condoms. Yes, I've heard of them. Surely the least sexy name for any apparatus used in a sexy way. Prophylactic? Prophylactic. Johnny's? Johnny's rubbers. Ugh. Protection. That's what you have to say in the moment, isn't it? You have to say, have you got any protection? Oh, yeah. There's no hot way of saying it. No. Right? Unless I've had more than four drinks and you have to say, get a condom. <laughs> yeah. For the love of God, get it fast and put it on in a smooth, sexy oh, way. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, bit of confession to make. Go on. I don't think I have used condoms since there was teen in my name. Teen in my name? Teen in my age. Teen. <laughs> I was going to say. I Carol, was Caroline Carol Teen. teen. Caroline Teen O'Donoghue. <laughs> That's how it works in Ireland. You're, you're teen until you're of age. Um, but you, have, have you been birth controlling responsibly? I have. You have no offspring? I have no offspring. Uh, yes, living in an attic and growing to resent me. Um, I was always on the pill from a quite a youngish age because I had bad skin and bad cramps. So, you know, they, they always pop you on that. Sure. And then I was just very lazy about birth control. And STIs, seemingly. And STIs, which I eventually got. <laughs> <laughs> One of the less serious ones was treated in two visits, but... um, Yeah, sure. Yeah. And now I'm in a long-term relationship, so I guess I came out on top. Well, (laughs) yes, you did. Literally and uh, metaphorically. God, so you've never... Because condoms... I don't know why, but condoms when I was younger never used to bother me that much. And now I'm always like, 
oh, it's such a faff. I have to get yeah. it out of my drawer. We have to like both awkwardly watch while he puts it on. Also, I used to be able to put them on. No bother. Maybe mm. just because I was so fucking horny and rampant. But now I'm a bit older. I just like hand it to them and I'm like, you do it. <laughs> yeah. I think when you're younger, though, the, the idea of like being a grown-up that has sex and uses condoms, like, it just is exciting because you're like, I've seen this on TV. Oh, completely. Yeah. It's a bit like when you get yeah. so excited with your first ever bank card and you, yes. just, you just keep coming up with it yeah. with the ATM. Yeah, that is like, true. look at me. Or when you first get keys to your parents' house. Yes. yes. <laughs> Where are my keys? You're like, I'm just uh, coming home from school with my keys. Yeah. <laughs> just jangling the keys. Um, anyway, I had to I had to use a condom recently, brag. Yay! Hey, Good for you, man. Sex horn. Real proud. And yeah, and I was just like, God, these are awful. <laughs> like, Oh, they're bad now. And even the ones that are supposed to be good are still bad. I know. And I think, I don't know, like now, I don't really mind them that much, but guys just, you know, they're just basically like numbing your sex. Especially experience. circumcised guys as well, because they already have a lack of cir- yes, sensitivity. exactly, yeah. So you basically have to like bang their dick in a door for them to feel anything. Yeah. You know? Rub it along one of those doormats. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which my circumcised friends did want suggest. Um, yeah, so I, saw, I thought I'd look into the history of the condom. Um, much older than you'd think. I'm not going to go through the entire history of a condom. Uh, but when do you think the first ones were used? Maybe French Victorians? Um, it was actually around Tudor times. Oh. oh. Anne Boleyn, dirty bitch. Yeah. Were they made out of, like, animal intestines Of course they were, Hannah. Yeah. That's going to be my next Bits question. of old oh, stuff. Bits of old <laughs> stuff. No, 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 you're right. Yeah, old stuff, animal intestines, sprayed with chemicals. Long story short, that's kind of the main history of the condom, like, before sort of modern use. Um, animal intestines, which they also used to make a football, I believe. Oh, lovely. Did they, did they reuse them as well? Uh, yes, I think I believe so. Because I'm sure I've seen like uh, films or TV or whatever where they kind of wander around with this little like pouch thing, yeah, that has strings on the end that you tie, yeah. And tie it on. Yeah, with. Um, they definitely had diaphragms as well, didn't they, for quite a long time? Yes, or a Dutch a... cap, as they were once called. Oh, really? Have, has either of you ever used one of those? No, but I'd be fascinated to even meet someone who I know. had. What's know? a French cap? What's a Dutch cap? It's That's a like diaphragm. a female diaphragm. condom, isn't it? It was yeah. such a big part of sex yeah. ed. What, do it you was mean like, there's yeah, the fem- male condom and a female condom. And it goes, and I've- a femidom. And I was like, oh, great, maybe yes. this will be part of my regular... No, nobody no. has ever, ever used a femidom. There was that one episode of Sex in the City when she got stuck up her and Samantha had to get it out. Oh. Yeah, but I think a diaphragm is different to a femidom. Oh. So I think a diaphragm is basically like a little sort of... Like a couple, you know, like the little Jewish hat that men wear. Sure. It's like that sort of size and... Well, smaller, but like that sort of. We'd like to apologise officially to the Jewish faith for. Uh... Well, I'm just describing. It. I'm using <laughs> no, you're. I mean, no, I, I, it's very visceral. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, but, um, but a, f- a femidom is like a condom, but inside us. Oh, gross! Oh, oh so it's like a tunnel. Yeah, like a tunnel. Kind of yeah. Like, the, like the tunnels that like um, toddlers go through. It like yes, softly. exactly <laughs> that. It's like that. It's like a like a you know like have you ever had the condom be stuck inside you after sex? Yeah, everyone it's has. Just basically yeah. that. That's what a femidom is. God. But but roomier. But roomier, yes, mm. exactly. It's yeah. always a word you want attached to your vagina, isn't it? Roomy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so come in, it's roomy. <laughs> diaphragm just goes like on your cervix then, does it? I think so, yeah. Oh, right. But yeah, essentially the con- the history of the condom, the modern history of the condom, because yeah, there was stuff in the Middle Ages and whatever they think, they had like condom-ish things. Mm. Um, but let's not go into that. Uh, the modern history of the condom mainly revolves around giving them to soldiers so they don't fuck everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's, yeah. So um, it's really interesting. Basically, though, the modern history of the condom is essentially 
everybody wear condoms in the military and stop getting everyone pregnant that's the enemy technically because you're in their and territory. And also stop dying of syphilis, I assume. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because the first recorded uh, cases of syphilis were in like 1496 and it was the... Uh, I might get this wrong, like the Napoleonic Wars or something like that. Um, but it was essentially because of an outbreak of syphilis. Yeah, um, it's like one of the big killers of the First World War as well. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. And so they were like, take these condoms and everything. And also, um, Cass, the real Casanova, mentioned condoms in his diaries. Oh, yeah. Wow. How, how good is that? Because he did. Cause, Casanova was real. I know, because he didn't want to get syphilis. Um, and yeah, so in like World War One and World War Two, they pushed it out and stuff like that. And then they also banned them a lot in the 20th century because of the declining birth rate and because they'd had a lot of uh, casualties in the war and stuff like that. So even in the UK, um, Boots refused to sell condoms from from 1920 until the 60s. No way! My goodness. Yeah. Um, And their 60s is when birth control pills came in. So before that, was everyone just, I don't know, getting pregnant? Having 10 kids. We call that Vatican roulette in that home. Yeah, it was so funny when I was reading this article today. It was like um, when condoms kind of came into like the mainstream. Uh, it was like the Catholic Church, uh, you know, took a strong stance against them. This stance has not changed. <laughs> it really hasn't. Yeah, Although I, mean, I think the modern pope, the new pope, has said that they should be used in like Africa and stuff like that to prevent HIV. I don't know. He's backtracking on a lot of uh, things now. You know. Yeah. Uh, I think he's getting less woke by the day, a bit like Aziz Ansari. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, in, uh, they were illegal in Ireland up until like the late 80s. Condoms, Condoms Yeah, no, not not legal, but you had to um, prove you were married to your doctor. <gasps> wow. Yeah. And not everyone can marry a doctor. Not- <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I remember, uh, you know, um, women I know have, to have told me that... Um, they had to like uh, get a doctor friend or lie or borrow a wedding ring and all kinds that of stuff. That is fucking mental. mental. Yeah. yeah. I was reading an interesting thing that also said that um, condoms are quite a sort of noble enterprise. There's a lot of... I know Durex is obviously kind of the really the main conglomerate that sells condoms, but like there's a lot of different brands that are all fairly small. They all give loads away because, you know, you should be promoting safe sex. Mm. They all kind of contribute quite a lot to charities and stuff like that the, the condom business mm. is like quite it's like a nice sort of vegan co-op I feel like. <laughs> Do you know I mean? like I feel like they're all a bit not for profit I know they're not literally but like yeah the whole market is kind of I was about to say the market isn't saturated but mm. pun um but no oh, it's saturated it's, it's, it's sudden oh it's sudden <laughs> yeah um and also the most expensive condoms are 56 dollars for a box which works out as just under five dollars per condom What's so um, special about them? And it's a brand called Naked Condoms. Um, I think it's supposed to be like, you haven't got anything on. But that's what they all say. That is what they all say. I do know that um, Bill and Melinda Gates, famous for being very wealthy and very nice, um, they, you know, they give all the, the all the money away to, they basically cured malaria, the two of them. Yeah. And, and they've, do, they've done so much and they have invested millions and millions of dollars of like, into inventors and engineers trying to find a condom that feels as good as sex does naturally. Oh wow! Um, but that 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 is cheap to make and cheap to manufacture and can be distributed worldwide. Oh, amazing! And they launched this whole campaign to innovate the condom industry to make it safer and have less people dying of AIDS. And they have still yet to find a new invention yeah. that is marketable like they've tried fish skin they've tried so Ooh. many different things well like it's ha- it's like how can you because if you put anything on your skin you're not gonna f- it's not gonna feel like 
skin yeah. on skin. It's not going to feel better, is it? Yeah. What I find really interesting as well is how companies like Durex are now kind of just trying to, rather than saying like, oh, it feels like nothing, they're trying to say like, oh, it feels better. Like it's yeah. got lumps and bumps yeah. on it and stuff. And it's like, it'll feel better. Ribbed for her sex. pleasure. Yeah, like, I know. It's like, <laughs> no, it won't. Nothing will feel as good as bareback. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I once had an allergic reaction to a condom and it made my vagina swell up. Oh. Yeah. I had to go and get some antihistamine and like waddle to the pharmacy. It was very funny. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, but there was they also trialled a spray-on condom for a while. Uh, it did not work. <laughs> I can't imagine it did, no. Um, do you want to guess the most stupid flavours yes. of condoms yeah. ever? Okay, throw some at me. Uh, I, I'm going to go straight in with a savoury one. Go on. Salt and vinegar crisps. Ooh. That's not on my list, uh, but I don't... I, I mean, I think salt and vinegar would be very stingy, no? Yeah, it'd be horrendous. Horrible. So good guess. Shiitake mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, no, maybe let's be realistic. Um, they're usually fruit, aren't they? I don't know. These Pine- are even, pineapple. These are even weirder than fruit. Fine. Uh, although you say pineapple, one of them on the list is condom cocktails. Uh, so we've got apple teeny flavour, pina colada and strawberry daiquiri. Oh, Lovely. actually saying that, I bet people have made dessert ones. So eat and mess. Ooh. Oh, also very nice. Uh, no, but we do have coffee and tiramisu flavour. Oh, on so coffee flavoured knob. Also, why would you have a flavoured condom? You don't give a blowjob with a condom on. Yeah, do you? you're supposed to, though, I think. <laughs> No one's ever done that. I think you're meant to. It's a bit like, you know, you're supposed to, in Monopoly, you're supposed to wait a whole go around before you buy anything. But who's uh, going to do that? Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> you mean? Okay, give me a theme. Drugs. Cannabis? Cannabis flavoured yeah, condoms. Yeah, I've definitely seen them wow. in like a gift shop in Amsterdam. They're called Canadoms. And you won't get high off them, sadly. Dumb. Um, Is there any savoury ones? Is there any like scallops? There's, <laughs> there's not. Oh, yeah, there is two. Fish sa- pie. There's two, there's two savory Ooh. ones. What do you have when you're hungover? Well, you get enough of that, don't you? <laughs> a full English. Uh, yeah, what's in the full English? Oh, I don't beans. Know. Sausage? Uh, nearly. Bacon. Bacon. Bacon, bacon flavoured condoms. They exist. Uh, there's always ba- also bacon lube and bacon scented underwear. Um, and then we had, with Pet Tech a couple of weeks ago, we had um, bacon bubbles for dogs. Yeah. yeah. Get over it, lads. There's a bacon thing going on. Also, garlic condoms. No. Yeah. That has to be a joke. Coca-Cola flavoured condoms. But my personal favourite is the muck condom, a whiskey flavoured condom. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah. Why is it's, it muck? Yeah. It's, Scot- it's Scottish and it's got tartan on it, so it's like Scotch whiskey. Oh. oh. McDonald's aren't into that at all, but they yeah. tried to sue. They love suing people. So yeah, that's that's the thing. Uh, but if you've drunk loads of whiskey and then you suck someone off, I guess they've got a whiskey flavoured dick anyway. <laughs> Goes down easy. Yeah. So listeners, you'll be delighted to know that wellness expert, author and the death omen cyclists awake from their dreams screaming about is back in the studio for today's Women Who Glow segment. Um, So yes, Dr Jane Frail is going to be joining us once again. And as always with Dr Jane Frail, Alex, I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to leave. What? Why? Well, Dr. Jane specifically asked that she not be interviewed by anyone who has menstruated in the last 10 days because it enrages the small bear that lives in the back of her car. Um, So I'm afraid you'll have to go. Well, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? What about you guys? I'm prematurely menopausal, as you know. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm still waiting for my periods to start, so... (sighs) Fine. See you guys later then. Bye! Jane! So good to see you. Well, hello my dears. How are we doing? I trust you all had a lovely summer. 
Yeah, no, I uh, had a great summer, but um, it is October, Dr Jane. Oh, my mistake, dear. I've spent the last month locked in the Good Morning Britain basement, writing medical studies for Piers Morgan to quote on air. So I don't know my ass for my endo. Your endo? My endometriosis, dear, and I'm still not totally sure what it is. No, nobody is. So, listen, today, girls, we're going to talk about breathing, okay? Now, most people think they're breathing all the time, but studies have shown that statistically, most women don't breathe at all, with the greatest breathing disparity up to 80% in some countries. That can't be right, because you have to breathe to live. I mean, we're all breathing right now. Darling, I must ask you please not to interrupt me. I'll have to smash your wee face in with the blunt end of a pool cue, eh? Anyway, as I was about to say, while most people let enough air in and out of their miserable body to continue technically living, they're not breathing mindfully, are they? Breathing mindfully can only happen when you stop to truly think about your breathing and let the air flow through your body with concentration, intention, retention and pretension. So how do we start breathing mindfully, Dr Jane? It's very easy, dear. You must simply close your eyes... And listen to your breath, observing the natural ebb and flow of your body's rhythm. Okay, let's do it together. Okay, we close our eyes. Okay, I'm closed. Closed, yep. We take in a breath of air. One, two, three, four, five. And we let out a breath of air. Eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf. And again, in. One, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four. And as we breathe, we picture the sea. You're standing by the sea, feeling the waves lap against your toes, picturing the warm sun on your back, and in the distance, the bloated, greying corpse of an ex-lover, his eye sockets hollow from being plucked out by gulls. Sorry, what? We breathe in, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf. And you remember the day he first left. Your body still young and supple, your hopes still undashed by the broken promises that passion brings. The day you promised that if you couldn't love him, nobody would. And we breathe out. Eins, zwei, drei, vier. What happened to Fumpf? And you think how peaceful he looks now and how ironic it is that after he left you, your face wet with your own tears, he will spend eternity dissolving into the watery grave. That is our great unending mistress, the sea. Dr. Jane, are you okay? Well, you get the idea, girls. The point is, breathing mindfully is the first step to following the sociopath within. What? I said following the path within. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Dr. Jane. Um, it's been horrifying, as always. Ha! You should see his wife. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi guys, how how was that? Yeah, good, fine. I, uh, I feel much calmer, actually, yeah. knowing there are people worse than me alive. Oh. So Hannah, going to be frank with you, feeling a bit jealous this week in that you're hanging out with an Irish person who's not only funnier than me, but also has better clothes. <laughs> exactly, yes. This week, um, I am investigating Oscar Wilde. Ooh. Uh, because, guys, I was invited to go somewhere without you. Again, what? I mean, you were actually invited too, but you were busy, so uh, yeah. Um, I was invited to go and look at the Oscar Wilde Temple in Clapham, which is in London. Ooh, temple! Mm, yeah, it's really cool. Um, firstly, I should say for anyone who doesn't know, Oscar Wilde was born in 1854. He was a poet and a playwright. Um, his most famous works are probably *The Importance of Being Earnest* and *A Picture of Dorian Gray*. Oh, I love that book. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's like a classic novel that like is not hard to read at all. No, Do you know what I mean? it's just loads of jokes. Yeah, yeah. And he was also queer. He had a lover called Lord Alfred Douglas, uh, whose nickname was Bosey. And it was his relationship with Bosey that landed him in prison for what was called gross indecency with men, um, because homosexuality was illegal at the time. And yeah, basically, some people have made a temple dedicated to Oscar Wilde, and it's quite hard to describe it but essentially it looks like a little chapel um, apart from it's all decorated um, solely with art by these two queer artists from New York um, David McDermott and Peter McGough and all the art is either about Oscar Wilde or it's about the queer community kind of more generally so yeah so I went along to the temple and got to interview the curator Alison Gingeris who originally put the whole thing together in New York um, and also brought it to London great so I'm at the Oscar Wilde Temple with Alison Gingeris, who's the curator of this exhibition. Hi, Alison. Hello. I think we should kind of describe what this space is like and what's happening in it. Um, so to me, it kind of looks like uh, it kind of looks like a church or something, right? Well, yes, it's a temple to Oscar Wilde, and as the press release would tell you, it's a secular temple. The temple is organized in sections, so there's a section with the, the stations to Reading Jail that tells the story of Oscar Wilde's downfall. There's the, the altar, but more an altar, not in the Catholic tradition, but in, more in a Protestant tradition, with just a soapbox. There's no pulpit, so anyone can really stand up and preach. And we have a triptych to Oscar Wilde with his mother, Speranza, on one side and Lord Alfred Douglas Bosey on the other side. So there's all of these different elements. And then there are these portraits in the front, these tiny portraits of LGBTQ martyrs who, like Wilde, were basically killed for who they were. So going back a bit, for anyone who doesn't know, who is Oscar Wilde? What did he do? Well, Oscar Wilde was an Irish, and I'm being maybe a little incorrect, Anglo-Irish, but an Irish um, writer, 
And on his plaque on Tite Street in London, it says wit and dramatist, but obviously that grossly underestimates who he was. But he was um, at the height of his fame. He had two plays in the West End. He was a playwright. He was a novelist. He was an essayist. He was, um, you know, I wouldn't say he was a dandy, but he was a gentleman about town, a real celebrity, to use our parlance. I feel like it's sacrilegious to use these terms in this time machine, but, you know, he was a celebrity. And um, his downfall was caused by uh, Bozy, his his partner's uh, father, who accused him of being a homosexual. I'm telling the story in a really collapsed way, excuse me. But basically, when he was on trial to defend himself, he never denied. He, he was very witty about it. And his mother told him, and I think that this is why the artist, for example, felt it was important to include um, a tri- her in the triptych. If you are my son, you must stay here and defend yourself. She urged him to stay, and they imprisoned him, and he became a martyr. I mean, he didn't die in jail. He, yeah. he was released, but basically it broke him as a human. It just completely, his life fell apart, and he died in Paris. Um, do you think it's fair to say as well that Oscar Wilde, kind of his, his life and biography and what he stands for, has kind of eclipsed his actual literary work? Oh, certainly. Well, we live in a society, you know, when Trump got elected... Um, there were all, all these punning about make America great again. And there's this bookstore in New York that says, make America read again, because no one reads anymore. So, of yeah. course, you know, Oscar Wilde, I mean, yes, as a pop star, I mean, there's movies about him now, right? And there's plays. And, um, and, but if you do go back to the text, um, it's, it's profound how, how relevant and how, how diverse, actually, all of the different things that he touched upon, even just politically speaking, in his writing to our day. And Oscar Wilde, you know, I I feel like sitting under his statue, we're we're just but a few feet from this beautiful wooden rosewood statue of Oscar Wilde, and he looks down on us, and I feel he was a feminist avant la lettre. I mean, he was really uh, a man who, when he edited the Victorian Ladies' Journal... Um, he said, that, well, let's not make this about sewing and, and dresses. I mean, this should be about women's rights and empowering women. And eventually he was fired from that job. But he, he really, he, he wasn't just a, an icon of the gay community. I mean, I'm, I'm being anachronistic in saying that. But he, he really, Oscar Wilde belongs to all of us. This story, you know, he's become, and, and I'm sure that a lot of um, literary scholars and and other intellectuals might object to how, um, in a press release, you simplify him into this LGBTQ martyr. We know that he's more complicated than that. But Oscar Wilde does belong to everyone, and that's why we wanted to create this beautiful space and, and have it open to the public. And you don't have to be a member of the LGBTQ community to use this space. And we wanted it to be used for any number of things. And that was, you know, it's, of course it's a beautiful aesthetic experience to come here, but as the artists say, the, the sons and daughters of Oscar Wilde are those most fragile in the community. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's very beautiful. There's a sign at the entrance that says, no homophobia, no racism, no anti-Semitism, only love here. And that's what this is about. Yeah, I love that as well, because it kind of feels like 
certainly for the LGBT community, you might feel excluded from sort of spaces like like this you know if it was a church um or a kind of religious temple well yes and and mcdermott and mcguff as artists um they even going back to the 80s they would make they they queered christian religion i mean one of them was raised um secular humanist the other was an irish catholic i was raised an irish catholic and you know it's such a repressive 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 thing and um, they would make these paintings in the 80s and they would say this is Jesus and his 12 boyfriends and you know really if you they studied religions for you know all of the religions and they said you know the one common denominator of all these religions is their reviling and repression of homosexuality their persecution and it's not necessarily in the theology of those religions it's more the practice so this whole idea was really about taking that aspect out of religion and they they say you know we are starting a religion to oscar wilde which is a great an american thing i mean we love to invent religions i mean we have scientology (laughs) we have mormonism why not oscar wildeism yeah, why not? So another thing about uh, Oscar Wilde is that he believed in aestheticism, right? Yes. Which is like art for art's sake. Um, and the idea that art should serve no purpose other than its own enjoyment. How does this space kind of reflect that? Well, certainly it is, you know, people just love sitting here because it's so beautiful with these chandeliers and this reproduction wallpaper from the aesthetic movement with sunflowers and all of this but just like in a medieval painting all this iconography has deeper meaning symbolic meaning and while that quote gets pulled out a lot as a way of even discrediting Wilde when we had this talk earlier with the artist David McDermott was reminding everyone that the reason why Oscar Wilde preached the aesthetic movement was really it was about class warfare yeah you know and it was about telling the working class that you too can live in beauty. We can go and collect seashells and you can make beautiful things for your home. And then as David would say, the futurists came and they destroyed it. They said, take down the wallpaper, paint your houses white, throw away all that old junk and here's some plastic. You know, and that's, we live in that world now. We live in these glass boxes and these white walls and certainly in the art world we live in in a world of the white cube and this show is really about um it's a it's a repudiation of that and how how is this space meant to be used by the kind of lgbt community well it's a space that um it can be used in any number of ways i mean it can be used as a place of reflection a personal space you can get married here you can have um, a, a naming ceremony of a child. You can renew your vows. I mean, even David McDermott said it'd be a wonderful place for a funeral. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's, and there will be talks. You know, I hope that if there's a protest, like for example, in New York, we use the temple to plan protests against Trump. So I think that, you know, it's a place that hopefully will, it, it will take on its own life. So uh, all of these things, uh, you know, we want everyone, we had a seance in New York um, to bring wild spirit to us. Amazing. So, you know, we, we really want it to be, it's not about, you know, it's definitely not Anglican you know, the Anglican church. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty clear. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. 
So yeah, that was um, Alison Gingeris, the curator of the Oscar Wilde Temple. Jeez, Hannah, that was so amazing to listen to. And I have to say, I get a bit cynical about Oscar Wilde sometimes because he's just one of those Irish writers that you just hear about and you're beaten over the head with all the time. But listening to the interview, I really got a sense of like, first of all, how important he is to the queer community. And second of all, how important having these kind of queer patron saints is if you're going to like create these new institutions and these new ceremonies and these new things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, completely, yeah. I always wonder what he'd be like in today's society. Like, would he kind of be... I mean, I always think Stephen Fry is kind of like his. I think so. I'm sure Stephen his Fry played him in a film. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and recently Rupert Everett played him as well in The Happy Prince about yeah. his life. Kind of just um, a handsome, intelligent dandy with good opinions. Yeah. yeah, I think it's easy to relegate people like Oscar Wilde to the sort of like realms of history. Do you know what I mean? But I think bringing him really modern the way she has is really important. Yeah. Anyway, so if you want to go and see the Oscar Wilde Temple for yourself, um, as we said, you can go and see it at Studio Voltaire in Clapham, which is in South London, until, I think, March 2019. Oh, great. I'm definitely going to go. So am I. Every week on The School for Dumb Women, we have a smart lesson where we learn the essential skills one needs to lift oneself from the unknown, take the blue pill and become the woke, smart woman we all know we can be, or maybe already are on the inside. This week, we're breaking taboos. Ooh, I heard that's a bit of expensive and painful and you have to have quite a few sessions. No, that's tattoos. Oh. Taboos. Sorry, please do go on. Yeah, it's like when a ghost is saying thanks. Oh, okay. Taboo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Hannah, you brought this to me earlier on this week and I thought it was really interesting. We were talking about how, um, you know, you often see in the media like pieces about like, this woman got her period all over her nine-year-old and she's breaking the taboo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I think is really interesting about, and this is quite a serious start to what is meant to be like kind of a fun lesson, but what I think is really interesting about how the media talks about taboos is that they will always unwittingly reinforce that taboo by totally. saying like, this woman bled all over her sofa and we're normally told that periods are disgusting and it's like oh we're told that periods are disgusting oh okay fine periods are disgusting like you still are reinforcing that by even saying normally we have tampons to plug ourselves up but this woman shat on the escalator <laughs> <laughs> completely yeah no you, you see that all the time it's, it's a whole kind of media cycle around like well we need to talk about this and then the talking about it creates its own sort of problems do you yes know what I mean? and then also everyone who breaks the taboo is so brave yeah because it's so disgusting like you, you have to be brave to break the taboo and yeah. talk about shitting or having a period or whatever and it's like wow you're so brave to do that disgusting thing <laughs> that everyone thinks is so disgusting in public also i've sort of like Okay, I'm going to say something unpopular here, but some of them are so extreme that I'm like, no, that's not a taboo. That's just making a bit of an effort. Are you thinking of the the woman who ran a marathon without any sanitary protection and then bled all over? Yeah, I mean, like, do what you want, love. Honestly, that must be so uncomfortable. Yeah, no judgment whatsoever. Absolutely, feel free to do that, but don't like make out like I should do that. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. I do get the point she was making as a political statement as of itself because um, women need to buy tampons and other instruments. Yeah, (laughs) instruments. Uh, so that they can um, you know survive in the world and you know and not bleed all over the place right and yeah. the fact that there's such an industry attached to them and the whole the period tax was a whole thing as well oh yeah absolutely, so I do yeah. understand her point 
But like that is quite nuanced and a big point, and people don't want to report on that. They want to be like, check out this hero and her blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I'd like exactly, to say yeah. I've been doing that very recent, like very recently. What free bleeding? No, just by accident, just like uh, yeah. not putting a strong enough tampon in, and then being like, well, there's blood all over my jeans now. How do you like that, Victoria Line? Yeah, yeah. Where, where's my medal? Yeah, where's <laughs> am I brave? I'm or doing just... it right now. Yeah. Badly planned. Well, the thing is, one time um, I wrote an article about period sex and uh, why having sex in your period is a laugh. Um, I think because that is a taboo. Do you think? I didn't think it really was. I thought I was just making a few jokes. I think it's a but... taboo to admit you do it. Oh, right. But not to actually do it. I think most people do it. You're so brave, Caroline. I'm so brave. So brave. We're breaking taboos, guys. Periods? We're breaking taboos right now. <laughs> guys, periods are rank. Blowing your nose is rank, but that's new- that's natural as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. Should we break think- the taboo of picking your nose? That's I not, pick that, my nose constantly. Yeah, but you wouldn't do it in public. If I think no. I'm even slightly alone, I'm picking my nose. <laughs> yeah. Can I, I mean, break another taboo, lads? Go on. Go on. Sometimes I feed the dog. <laughs> oh! Oh, there isn't like a tissue handy. I don't want to wipe it off the couch or whatever. I, I just, would so do that. I feel like that's it. not she taboo. She loves it. She loves being You're cleanest. confusing taboo with being disgusting. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same. It's the same. Accent-based comedy is a taboo. Also, asking for a tampon in an office with men in it, a taboo. But why? Yeah. Because, like, every, like it's, it's, it's a fucking tampon. Do we talk about anything on this podcast other than periods, you think? Yeah, probably um, not. I was going to say another taboo, shagging a Tory. Oh. oh, a big taboo. How do you get around that? I don't know. What about if you've shagged a future Tory? Like, their parents are Tories, oh, and they're definitely they're going definitely that way. They're definitely going to be a Tory, yeah. <laughs> but they're right now, they still, yeah. like, you know, putting Corbyn They've got the internship in the bank, but not the full-on job yet. Yeah. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've definitely fag- fagged. I've, I've definitely shagged future Tories. Yeah, mm. I have as well. Yeah. Um, shagging somebody who's younger than you, but still illegal. Also a taboo. Still legal? Yeah. Ah, okay. As in, like, if you shag a 20-year-old or something. Oh, okay, okay yeah, that is a bit of a taboo. Um, but I think everyone should do it once or twice. Yeah. Anyway, why aren't we writing about these taboos? This woman shagged a 20-year-old. This woman shagged a 20-year-old. <laughs> she's 26. <laughs> what about um, eating a whole cupcake in an office? Oh. Without, cut, without cutting it in half. <laughs> oh, and yeah. And being like, oh, I'll just have the half. But then you go back for the other half. Just eat it in a one Or um, going straight for Colin's face. Oh, yes. Yeah. That is a taboo, yeah. Or picking all the smarties off his back because they're the best bit. That's yeah. all you want, isn't it? That's all I want. Anyway, yeah, so... um. I just think that when we talk about breaking taboos, we shouldn't emphasise how brave someone is because this is the reason why we have the taboo. I think we should just be like, yep, I did do a shit in the hallway. (laughs) Right. And um, there you go. Yeah, good. I agree. Great. Break those taboos, lads. Don't reinforce. If you need me, I'll be free bleeding at my wedding. Aw, wear a red dress, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the end of this week's podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please make sure you're breaking taboos by free bleeding this podcast all over your friends. Or rate, review and subscribe to it in iTunes. Thanks to Alison Tungeris at the Oscar Wilde Temple. You can hear our full conversation in a special bonus episode, which will be out this Saturday. Thanks also to Harry Harris for our jingle, Gavin Day for our logo, and Soho Radio Studios for the recording space. We'll be back next week, so until then, keep picking your nose. Go fuck your brother. Why not try pegging? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.